beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 190 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I am Ben Fadden, your host. Coming to you after the San Diego Padres just split that two-game set with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, the Padres just won 4 nothing after choking a six-run lead last night. We'll get to the six-run lead, uh, but I want to start off on a positive note. Um, Clev, I thought he pitched amazing today. It was great, obviously, to get a win off of Mad Bum. In the middle of the game, the City Connect jerseys were unveiled, so we'll talk about that. We can talk about that right now if you guys want to. Let me know in the chat. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about Tuesday's game. We'll talk about today's game. We'll talk about the City Connect. We'll talk about Freddie Freeman uh, and what the heck is going on with that situation uh, with his agent, uh, oh, his former agent now. Uh, and definitely, we'll get, well, let's get into the uh, City Connect jerseys. But first, this episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros. Famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're located inside Petco Park during the Padres season uh, and in Mission Gorge and in Point Loma. You can visit gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu, uh, the addresses, the phone numbers, all that. Yeah, Irie in the chat says, haven't seen the jerseys, throw up the picture. So, yeah, look, we can start off with the City Connect jerseys. I uh, wanted to get some people in here. But yeah, let's start off with the City Connect jerseys. During the game, it got leaked. Someone on Instagram, never heard of them, but they posted this and it went to Twitter. And right there, that is the City Connect jersey. I said it in my post-game reaction, whatever. I'm not, I don't really care. It's a jersey. I don't think that this jersey says Padres at all. Um, not literally, but I mean like it's okay. There's yellow there, but it it's kind of like that jersey that they wore for Little League Day. It's like that yellow, you know, um, those player weekend jerseys or whatever a couple years ago. It's like that yellow. Um, it, it doesn't really say Padres anywhere, but it's a jersey. It's not like it's their home jersey that they're going to wear every day. Whatever. I'm fine with it. I really don't care. If they win in the jerseys, the jerseys are amazing. They'll get a thumbs up from me. If they lose in the jerseys, then they suck. Then the jerseys are horrible. Like I said in my reaction, like that's I don't care. Now, if they were going to be wearing these jerseys, Every day, every home game, that might be a little bit different, but I think they're wearing them at the beginning of July and maybe another few more days in the year. I think the Potters are the only team to split the colors in half in the team name on the jersey, in the city name. Um, but again, give, me, give your thoughts in the comments, whatever, but I really don't care because it's a jersey. It's whatever. I care more about the on-field product. But yeah, make of that what you will. People, some there were actually a lot of people on Twitter that I saw that were liking it. Um, some, And then when I posted on Instagram, most of the people on Instagram weren't really digging it. 
you know? <laughs> so maybe it's just two different crowds. I don't know. But yeah, that's the City Connect jersey. We'll start off with that. Uh, and feel free, let, let yourself, your opinions known in the comments uh, to that. But yeah, that's the City Connect. Not a whole lot to talk about with that. Uh, but that was the leak that came out. I think there was supposed to be a uh, unveiling, a an announcement by the Padres on July 1st, which I believe is, was that Friday? Yeah, on Friday. But that's obviously blown up. Now, the only, the only uh, thing that we really haven't, I mean, we haven't seen the pants, right? And then we haven't seen the hat. I'm a hat guy, so I guess if the hat, looks pretty cool maybe i'd think about it but it's not like regardless of what the jersey was unless it was like some tribute to 98 or whatever i wasn't going to go spend my own money on a jersey that they're going to wear three times in a season you know that's not what i was going to do um but it seems like people are interested and it feels like people like the jersey again i i don't care if they win it's great if they lose then the jersey's crap that's what i think um, moving on to Tuesday and Wednesday's games. We'll start with today's game. Usually I start with the uh, game that was the latest. Like, excuse, like in this two-game series, I would usually start with Tuesday's game instead of today's game, right? Go in chronological order. That's the word, I, the phrase I was looking for. But I'm going to start with the positive today uh, because they just came off the game. This is kind of like a post-game show a little bit. Uh, and I know the episode 190 title, you can't lose a six-run lead, and we're definitely going to get into that. But I think starting off with today's great win is uh, something that'll keep it you know, positive vibes. I know there's some people in the chat that like keeping it positive. So that's the way that uh, I'll start. Padres won 4-0 today. They were 46-31 and heading into this Dodger series. Uh, Mad Bum was on the mound for the Diamondbacks. Kleb was on the mound for our Padres. And Mad Bum was fine. He only gave up one run, five innings, but Clevenger was better, and he shut down the Diamondbacks lineup. He was coming off that pretty good outing against the Diamondbacks last week, and then he followed it up with a better outing today, uh, going six innings, giving up one hit, no runs, walked one guy and struck out six. His breaking ball, I was posting some of the videos on Twitter like I always do at Talking Friars on the highlights, games I'm not at. That breaking ball, just go look at it. That It was just nasty. Uh, he was dotting the fastball, painting that fastball in the outside corner uh, on some strikeouts. Was the home plate umpire? I'm blanking on his name, but was he good today? No, no, he was not. Um, there were a lot of pitches that were outside called strikes. Uh, there was one breaking ball, the Cronor today, that was called a ball when it was pretty much right down the middle of the plate. I mean, Mud was like, how do you call that a ball? So, no, the home plate umpire, yeah, he was giving Clev some favors. But Clev, I mean, coming back from Tommy John, uh, obviously getting hurt at the beginning of this season, not being able to be out there with the guys. And then he comes back, has, has good back-to-back -back starts uh, against the Diamondbacks, and you just hope that he continues to build on this. You know, We don't know what the future is going to hold for Clev, if he's going to stay with the Padres. Uh, beyond this season, but I don't care about that right now. I care about extending Musgrove, and I care about winning games right now. Uh, and Clev, today, he really helped the Padres do that. And then on often, uh, offensively, the Padres 
they they showed up pretty good. I mean, Jake Cronenworth was 0 for 26 going into what was it, his second at bat in the game. He doubled twice, including an RBI double off the center field wall. Uh, in his I think last at bat, he had an RBI single. I think that was in his second at bat. He like I mentioned, he doubled twice. That was huge to see him get out of that 0 for 26 slump heading into this Dodger series because. They're going to need him. Uh, you don't know about Manny. Today, Manny, by the way, the latest update, he was running the bases, but he did not appear in a game. So he, if they would have put him on the 10-day IL, he would have been able to be off tomorrow for the Dodgers series. If they put him on the IL on Monday, the Monday after he got hurt, which was last Sunday or a couple Sundays ago, right? So uh, he would have been available for the Dodgers series. So I think we can confidently say now it might – you know, in terms of players on the roster, like having another player, another bat potentially off the bench, having Manny not be on the IL hurt the Padres. But while Manny was on the IL, what did they go? Like five and three or something? So that's not too terrible. Um, obviously, you would have hoped to to uh, at least split that Philly series, but they couldn't do it. Um, some of that wasn't due to the offense either, by the way. Some of that was due to a bad bullpen on, what was that, that Sunday game against the Phillies. So, yeah, I, you know, look, the Padres right now, they're 46 and 31. They're 15 games over 500. I love where they are right now. Uh, and I've said it so many times with all the injuries that they, uh, you know, are doing, like, it's just, it's amazing when you really think about it. It's amazing. That without Tatis and Manny and Pomerantz, Myers, all these guys, they're still finding a way to win. Uh, and Crony getting hot, it, you know, that is great news going into this Dodgers series. So it was a great win. And, and props to Luke Voigt also in this series. He came in, he came through today uh, with a hit, but he was the most unluckiest guy. Just Chase Field hate Luke Voigt or what? He had like three bombs to the warning track, um, right? Yeah, it was three bombs to the warning track in these last two games that should have gone out, I think, and they ended up not going out. It's like Chase Field hates that guy. Uh, was it the Dome? I have no idea. But yeah, Chase, I think Luke Voigt's the happiest guy to not have to go be in Chase Field anymore, and he gets to go up to Dodger Stadium. Um, and by the way, in this series, he was letting that chest let us fly. My goodness. I, I took a comparison picture on Twitter, uh, on my Twitter at Talking Friars about uh, Luke, how many buttons he had down on his shirt compared, uh, comparing opening day against the Diamondbacks and then like yesterday. And the opening day, he had like one button down and now he has like two or three. And you can, it's like, you could totally see uh, his chest here. So that was, the comparison is funny. Um, yeah, Christopher says, I, I, I feel for Voight. He just wants to mash. And he did mash in this series. You know, those three home that could have been three home runs probably at Petco Park, right? I'm sure some of those would have been out at Dodger Stadium, right? But they weren't because it's Chase Field. But I wanted to shout him out because the stats are not going to show how great he was hitting the ball in this series. Sure, they're swing and miss, but he hit three bombs that didn't go out. Um, anything else in this game? I mean, 
I, I did want to point out, by the way, in this game, because obviously well, maybe this helps more or it would be better if I talked about the first game and then to the second game in terms of Hosmer. But Hosmer was substituted. Uh, he was replaced by Crony in the eighth inning at first base. Alcantara went to play second base in what was, I think, a three-run game or something at the time. And so Bob Melvin, he was like, you know what, Hosmer, I don't care that you're this veteran leader and or whatever. We want to win. We want to make sure we win this game. So I am putting the best defensive guys out there. I don't care who you are. You're going to go sit on the bench and we're going to have Crony go play first base because he's better at first base than you are. I love that. Um, Hosmer wasn't amazing at the plate either. Uh, the single that he got, by the way, up the middle today, that ball was like in the dirt that he swung at. He looked ridiculous in like two or three. Uh, what was it? It was two or three uh, swings and missed two or three strikeouts. I think he had today. Uh, just the first at bat that he had. I think it was the second inning when he swung and missed and struck out against Mad Bum. He was taking his helmet off. I don't know if you saw the highlight I posted on Twitter. He was taking his helmet off and thought that the inning was over. He's like, "Whoop de doo!" Taking my helmet off. Going to go to first base after a strikeout, which he's done thousands of times. It feels like with the Padres. And the inning one isn't over. So he was just, his head was not there in this series. And I'm glad that Bowmel was like, yeah, dude, screw you for right now. We're putting you on the bench. Crony's going in. Alcantara's going in. Uh, Crony was already in, but he's going, moving to first. Alcantara's going to second. And enjoy the rest of the, uh, the game on the bench, Haas. I, I love that. Uh, so the Padres won today 4 nothing, 46th win of the year. That was great. And then Nick Martinez, I did want to shout him out too. I was talking about Clev and how good he was. Nick Martinez, he comes in, saves the bullpen. Guys get a lot, days off. Some guys get consecutive days off. Uh, they had the off day on Mondays, so some guys haven't pitched in like three days. They, they're going to have like three days rest going into this Dodgers series tomorrow. So that's great. Martinez goes three innings after Clev in a piggybacks role. I think he actually got the save because he finished the game and he started uh his appearance in a save situation, but he goes three innings, no earned runs, two hits, walked one. Uh, it was just great. Uh, both Clev and Martinez were great today. And I think Martinez, he's really embracing that role out of the bullpen. And I absolutely love that he's just taking any role the Potters are giving him. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go do this. Maybe he has a chip on his shoulder because he's not in the rotation or whatever. He sees Snell in the rotation. He's like, why is he there? And I'm not. Uh, I don't know, but it's working, and that's really all that matters because the Padres uh, are winning games, and Nick Martinez is helping the Padres win games and keep those leads just like he did today after Mike Clevenger went six strong innings and didn't give up any runs. Um, and it's great when Mad Bum cusses all over the place and he's mad at the umpire. There was a little bit of an ump show today, uh, but Mad Bum's cussing all over the place, uh, F-bombs, the catcher's getting in the umpire's face. Uh, Tori Lovello's mad. Um, it's great to see that when you're a Padre fan, right? Because it doesn't seem like, or what that means is things aren't going great for the Diamondbacks. Let's get to some chat stuff here before we talk about game one yesterday. I wanted to start with the positive, and then now we'll head to the embarrassing loss from yesterday. What's up, Tupac13? I see your comment there. Yeah, Mike Trot. 
if that's a play on words of Mike Trout, I love that. Uh, dead ball seems to be dragging on Voight's launch angle. Seems you'd need a line drive homer to get it out of the park. Yeah, like Nomar Mazzara did last night. Pretty much. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Alex says Bowmill is awesome. I agree. For the there was, and look, this is not the Padres fan base as a whole, but there were some people in my mentions yesterday, like Bowmill sucks, or like Luis Garcia, that should have been the last game that he pitched. It's like, all right, take a chill pill, guys, please. Take a freaking chill pill. All right. Thank you. All right. Moving to Monday's or Tuesday. Monday was an off day. Uh, the Padres, obviously, this has been well talked about. They were up 6 nothing, and they ended up losing the game. Uh, just an embarrassing loss, a game that they should not have lost. Uh, pre-game, Tatis said that he'll swing fully off a tee in two weeks, and then 10 days after that, he'll be able to hit off a machine. Then he'll have a rehab assignment. So when you go through that timeline, I was going through that timeline, and uh, two weeks from yesterday... So that mean that would be like July, uh, what was that? Yeah, July twelfth. He'd be able to start swinging off the tee full, which I totally don't. I don't believe that. By the way, if anyone believes that Tatis isn't going to be swinging fully off a tee until July twelfth, I think you're insane. The guy was swinging forty percent, and no one knew about it. No fan, a fan had to video him swinging for us to know that he was swinging a bat. He hadn't been cleared to swing a bat by the doctor. And there was Kevin Acey came out with something in his newsletter today saying that Tatis decided to do that on his own to go swing. Like, he's going to be swinging 100%. Maybe it's in his apartment building and the Padres won't know about it, but that's just what Fernando is. Like, he's just not telling anyone and he's doing whatever he wants. That makes me a little concerned, uh, but I know Fernando does know his body as well. So it's a little both ways if you get what I'm saying. But if we're following the exact timeline that he's telling us, again, I, I don't fully believe that. But July 12th would be when he starts swinging fully off a tee. Maybe that's in front of the Padres is what he means. And then another 10 days. So that would be, what, July 22nd was, is when he'd be able to start hitting off a machine. Okay, you can hit off a machine in the minor leagues if you want to or at the big league level. Let's say he hits off a machine for that weekend, the 22nd through the 24th. I think that's in New York. Where the or the Padres would be at that time, and then they'd be in Detroit Monday, Tuesday, I think Wednesday, twenty fifth through the twenty seventh, and then I think perfect timing return on the 29th at home against the Minnesota Twins. I have tickets to that game, so that's why I kind of want them to return then. But I, I think that that's a pretty realistic timeline for him to return. Maybe that's just me. If you agree, let me know. Um, what do you think? your realistic timeline for Tatis's return is, uh, put that in the chat. Um, but that was the Tatis update. As for the game, it was great. Mazzara had a home run. Alfaro, uh, bases clearing double. He did get hurt a little bit. Right knee inflammation is what Bob Melvin said after the embarrassing loss yesterday, and Nola played today. But it was a planned off day for Alfaro because he, he wasn't going to catch a day game after a night game, right? Uh, but Alfaro kind of got hurt, but he came through in the sixth. Made it 6 nothing Padres, and then it just went right down the toilet. I mean, geez, Louise. Like, no one, none of the pitchers knew what a strike zone was, or if they did, they were throwing it right in the middle of the strike zone. Chamaniah, he was cruising pretty much six strong innings. Then he goes out for the seventh. He was left in. I was fine, to be honest, with Bob Melvin leaving Chamaniah in for that seventh inning. Um, 
just because we've seen Shamanaya work out of the seventh inning before already this season. He's someone that has uh, comfortable, comfortably had a high pitch count, if that makes sense, this year. Over 100 pitches consistently. We already know that, so I was fine with that. What I wasn't fine with was no one warming up at the beginning of the seventh inning. Like, give him a leash, but it's a short leash in the seventh inning. That didn't happen. Melvin, I think, allowed him to face at least three guys. Uh, I think someone doubled off him. Uh, I think there was a walk in there. It just was not uh, very solid. I'll say that. Adam and I in that seventh inning. Then Tim Hill came in, allowed a double down the left field line, made it 6-3 Padres. Uh, a ground out to second, made it 6-4. Hill wasn't on his game. None of the relievers were really on their game except Taylor Rogers, arguably in that eighth inning. Uh, but Rogers had to go six outs, and so that's different. Um, and going six outs for a closer, they're not accustomed to that. I'm not a big league closer. I've never done that. But I did have Heath Bell on the show. If you missed that, uh, I think that was a month ago. Uh, former Padre closer, one of my favorite Padres growing up. And what he was saying is it, the Padres bullpen, they need to have defined roles. And a six-out save out of the blue, that's not a defined role for Taylor Rodgers. His defined role is a, is a closer. He's used to pitching that one inning, going out all for that one inning. And Luis Garcia did not help, by the way. I don't know why Chris Matt wasn't warming up in that uh, eighth inning or why he didn't come in in the eighth inning uh, and just give Rodgers the ninth because Chris Matt didn't pitch today either. So that doesn't make sense. They knew that Martinez was going to be piggybacking Clev. Uh, but in that eighth inning, Garcia load the bases with no outs uh, on a walk. Then he hit Buddy Kennedy, I think, in the elbow, made it 6-5. Garcia did not have it. I don't understand why they let Luis Garcia face Buddy Kennedy or whatever the heck his name is with the bases loaded in that situation. doesn't make sense. It's clear he did not have it, and you leave him in the game. That's, just, that, that's something that I disagreed with Bomel. Bomel, I am totally behind him. I'm not going to crap on him um, you know, just for this one game. He's allowed to have one bad game where he made a couple mistakes, and it wasn't bringing in the wrong guy. I think it was just leaving in guys too long. Like Luis Garcia, he's the eighth inning guy. You bring him in, have confidence in him. But when it's clear that he doesn't have it, that's when you need to then bring in someone else, bring in Chris Matt or warm Chris Matt up when you see that Garcia's struggling and walking guys. That didn't happen. Uh, they bring in Rodgers for a six-out save. And obviously, uh, I don't know about you guys when you're watching the game, but when Taylor Rogers comes in for a six-out save, I don't have, especially with the bases loaded, by the way, in the eighth inning, no outs, I don't have confidence in that at all. I have confidence in Taylor Rogers to get out of an eighth inning, but to go six outs, that's asking for a lot. Had he gone six outs at all this year before? I don't think so. I think, it was, I think he tried going five outs against the Dodgers at Petco Park earlier this year, and he didn't do it. Trey, he left that slider hanging to Trey Turner. Trey Turner doubled off the wall uh, to left and did no, no, no. The Padres, Padres may have, I think they ended up winning that game. But the thing, the Matt, the whole point is Rodgers did not finish that. So he hasn't done great, I don't think, going multiple innings and trying to save games unless it's like four outs. And Bomel should have known that. And instead, he went six outs there. And Rodgers, credit to him, bases loaded, no outs. He, yeah, he hit a batter in the foot on an 0 2 pitch after getting. Uh, the first two outs, and then uh, on that double play, a genius, amazing double play, by the way. Grounder to Cronenworth, goes home, and then Alfaro, Alfaro, right? Or was it Nola at that point? 
throws to second, uh, and Abrams tags the runner out. Don't know what the guy going from first to second was doing, but just an amazing play on there, amazing play by the Padres all the way around. Uh, Rogers got the ground ball, and then Cronenworth made the good play, obviously. Um, so he got the two outs there, uh, but then he hit the batter on an 0-2 pitch, but it's a slider, and I think it was his back foot. Like, what are you going to do there? I know the Diamondbacks play. He's, I forget who he hit. He's not going to get out of the way. What are you going to do there? Okay, so giving up one run, bases loaded, no outs. I, I think that's a. I think that's a win, you know. Uh, and then a tie game. And then bottom nine or top. We could talk about top nine first. Grisham thir- on third, one out. Cronor struck out in the middle of that slump, and uh, Alfaro struck out. Crony hitless in his last six games after last night. Uh, he just was not at. Really, really uncharacteristic this last like week from Crony um, in terms of breaking balls, swinging and missing at pitches uh, that he usually makes contact with, swinging at pitches that are up here. Just really uncharacteristic, and that's why it was so great to see him uh, have a three-hit day today in the series finale. Uh, but you can't strike out Cronenworth and Alfaro. Can't strike out there. Got to put the ball in play. In the bottom of the ninth, though, that's where the problem was. First and second, two outs. Rodgers had gotten the two outs. He gets a number to first base, and Eric freaking Hosmer decides to throw it to second base instead of throw it to first base. Um, I'll try to pull that play up here. Give me one second, because uh, that this play is just stupid, It really. And for the podcast audience, I think that it would be better if um, you watch the YouTube for the play. Uh, I'm sure you've already seen the play, by the way. Uh, I'm just trying to go through my social feed here. Man, I got a lot of notifications. Sorry. Uh, All right. Here, let's just take a journey through my Twitter account, actually. All right, let's see. That's not what I wanted. I don't care about COVID. All right. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. All right, so here's the play. Found it. All right, so this is Don Orsillo on the call, obviously. Valley Sports San Diego. And Eric Hosmer sucked at this play. Nubber to uh, first base. Hosmer has a ton of time to throw at the first base. and Instead, he tries going to second base when C.J. Abrams is starting the play in the on the outfield grass. Here it is. Walker hits a cue shot towards first. Hosmer knocks it down, throw to second base, gets away, and the Arizona Diamondbacks walk it off. There it is again. Walker Ground hits ball. a cue shot towards first. Why Hosmer are you knocks going it to down, throw base. to second base, gets away, and the Arizona Diamondbacks walk it off. Why are you going to second base in this situation? Like CJ Abrams, he's running to second base. And by the way, this was the winning run, so that's why this is huge, obviously, and this is why it got so much attention. But literally, 
C.J. Abrams is on the outfield grass to start the play. He's running into shortstop. He's probably thinking, why are you throwing it to me? That's why he's probably there late. And Hosmer had to have known with his amazing baseball IQ that Marte running would have blocked Abrams from seeing the ball, from seeing the throw great. It's like, just what are you doing? And then look at this play again. I keep playing it on a loop here for the YouTube audience because, look, Walker is not even hes not even in the screen when Hosmer fields the ball. He's not even halfway down the baseline. And Hosmer decides to go to second when Abrams isn't there yet. Instead of going to first, Rodgers is covering the bag. He's covering the freaking bag, and Walker is slow as heck. He's had like one stolen base, I think, in his career or in this season or whatever it was. I saw it somewhere on social media today. And he decides to throw to Abrams instead of throwing it to first base, where they would have been no runner in the way of your teammate receiving the ball, and Walker slow as heck. And you're telling me that it's that hard to twist your body on your knees to first base when you have that much time? Un unbelievable. And this isn't the only time, I'll keep playing it, by the way, but this isn't the only time that he's costed, the team runs, costed the team games with this terrible defense. The Pittsburgh game where the ball went under his glove, that's one this year. Go back to 2019 against the Astros. Bregman hits a Little League pop-up to first base, and this guy lets the ball go over his head. It's just like, dude. And then yesterday, he literally ru almost runs into Nomar Mazzara, and, as Ho and Hosmer was the one going for the ball. It's a fly out to right field. Let me see if I can find this play, by the way. Hold on one second. Let me see if I can find the Mazzara play. I mean, it was just stupid. Like, it's a fly ball to right field, and Hosmer acted like it was his ball. Here it is. Okay, let me share my screen again. All right, here's the play. It. One of them did. I'm showing it to the YouTube audience. I mean, look at that. Hosmer is in right field. He's going for the ball. You're in first base, dude. You, you're running like a quarter of a mile to go get the ball. And Mazar is in right field coming in can see the ball perfectly fine, and you're going backwards like this trying to make the catch. I mean, what are we doing here? This isn't the Sandlot. This isn't, or what's that movie? Bad News Bears. You're not Kelly Leak, dude. You suck defensively. And you're going, and you're trying to play hero when Nomar Mazar is fully capable of catching the ball. Jordan Alvarez in a game today, I think he was stretchered off in a collision. Hosmer's lucky that Mazzara or him didn't get hurt on this play. Like, there's no reason Hosmer should be anywhere near this ball. At all. Like, he literally jumped backwards. Watching it again, he jumps backwards. Like, what are you doing? It's just stupid. Seriously. It's stupid. It's just mind-boggling. And that's why uh, when I talked about uh, it earlier about uh, Hosmer being taken out of today's game late in the game, you see why. Like, any game that's remotely close, take that dude out of the game. Put Cronenworth at first. Like, he's just, oh my goodness. 
it sucks watching him at the plate flail at balls and hit grounders to first and second. And then it, it sucks watching him field at first. I mean, from the throw yesterday that I just went over, throwing to second when in easy outs at first, or how about this? Eat the ball. Just don't throw it anywhere. And he got bases loaded. And Taylor Rogers, who just got a nubber, who just got two outs, can maybe get out of the inning and it's a tie game and you don't have any blood on your hands. Instead, you try throwing the ball to second when your guy's not even there and the guy running to first base isn't halfway to first base yet. It's just stupid. And that's just the start of it. From dropping pop-ups to running to the right field, like I just talked about as well, on a ball that's clearly to the right fielder, it is a literal or literal a literal fly out to right field and you're running to to Kelly leak it like what are we doing here and to uh don't forget about when he's at first and he's walking or excuse me he's stepping backward into the baseline to catch balls oh that's the better angle lunge toward the dang ball dude in the last homestand there was that ball girl down the right field line right that was actually playing first base the way that Hosmer should. And she wasn't playing first base. She was just doing her job. She lunged, made a nice pick. Can Hosmer do that? My goodness. I guess that's the end of my Hosmer rant. But, yes, I, I understand, like my title says, you can't lose a six-run lead. The Padres choked a six-run lead, and it's not all on Hosmer. I understand that. But... When you have a chance to keep the game alive and you make that idiotic play, come on, man. And then Mark Sweeney was defending it post-game on Bally. What are we doing here? Like, I, I get it that it's easier to criticize a rookie over a veteran, but you're criticizing C.J. Abrams for not being at shortstop or not being or not getting over to second base when he was playing shortstop. And you're not going to criticize Hosmer? Like, come on. Really? Sweeney was defending Hosmer, saying he had to go a long way, and he was taking the shorter throw. Abrams was late. Was it the shorter throw? Like, Hosmer, wasn't he, like, in the middle of the base path between first and second? So isn't it equal throw? Isn't it an equal distance? I didn't really understand that either, but, geez, Louise. Some people, there's some people, I just don't understand. How can you defend Hosmer anymore? I just don't understand it. Yeah, and Christopher, you're right. We just need a Haas vent session. It's not all on Hosmer, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to end that right now, and I'll talk about why they actually lost, right? The offense was good. Yep, that, that's not the problem. They scored six runs. You score six runs, you're up 6 nothing. you should win the game. The problem was Bob Melvin, yes, he made a couple mistakes. I, I don't understand not having Chris Matt in that game at some point. Leaving Garcia in with the bases loaded after he had just sucked it up and loaded the bases with that walk. And he allowed him to face Kennedy or whatever his name is, and he hit him. That's so Garcia did not help, the, or he was part of why the Padres lost. Um, Rogers kind of was part of it because I guess he gave up a run, but he was good. He pitched well. He got the number to first base, and Hosmer sucked. You know, he he he's the one that choked it. Um, and you know, Manaya in that seventh inning, he wasn't great. Tim Hill was not great when he came in. So the bullpen is what lost the game. Amaniah there in that seventh inning, and Bo Mel just maybe uh, trusting in Manaya too much. But, hey, 
when it's worked, it's worked the majority of the year, him trusting in starters and allowing them to go long, right? So when it's working and it doesn't work once, I can't go off on that, you know? But I can go off on Hosmer, I guess, because I've just seen enough of that guy. You know, defensive replacement. That's what he needs to be. At Dodger Stadium, let's say it's 2-1 to one on Saturday night. You're bringing in Garcia or Chris Matt into the game. Padres are up 2-1. You can't have Hosmer at first base. Sorry, you can't. Yeah, and Irie says Hosmer's a cancer. I don't know why Manny likes him so much. They're both from Miami. I don't know. I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. I I know that Hosmer is a good teammate. He's the greatest teammate ever, according to his teammates. So I'm not getting into it personally, like into him personally. That's too far. That's going over a line, I think. But criticizing um, his play and how I'm just tired of watching him defensively, I don't think that's over the line at all. That's just judging him on the field. So that's where that's where I'm... That's where I'm venting about Hosmer, you know? So, yeah, yesterday, terrible loss, 7-6. 45-31 was their record before today's game uh, where they won and they got their 46 win. I already talked about that game. Uh, so, yeah, this series was a failure uh, technically, just a two-game set. It was a failure because they should have won last night. They should have won both games. But at the same time, it was encouraging to win today's game, to see Cronenworth be back with three hits going into the Dodgers series. And the Dodgers don't have Julio Arias this coming weekend. They get to face Joe Musgrove tomorrow night, right? Let's go. Wouldn't that be great? Extend Joe Musgrove before the game. And then have Musgrove go dominate the Dodgers. Sign me up for that. I know it's not going to happen. but uh, Quan asks, would you guys trade for two outfielders and, a move, and move Profar to first? Or a second baseman and center fielder and move Cronenworth to first. I would I would probably move Cronenworth to first. I like Profar and left. I think you give Esther Ruiz a shot in center field at some point this year. I'm not saying now, but at some point this year, I think you give him a shot. And do they need to go get a second baseman? When Tatis comes back, they can shift Kim over to second, you know? And I know Kim's, or excuse me, Tatis isn't going to be back for another month is what it seems like at least. Um, so to answer that, I mean, I, I don't think there's really a move that Preller needs to go make to go get someone else. I think it's more shifting guys. Voight can play first base too. We got to remember that. Voight can play first. You can put him there. Uh, if you don't want Crony at first every day, you want Crony at second sometimes. Okay, you can do that. Um, I know you don't want Alcantara in the lineup every day either. So I understand that. But I don't think moving Profar to first is good. I think he's very, very comfortable in left field. He is doing great in left field, I think, this year. He's comfortable at the, near the top of the order. And I think you just leave it like that. You don't mess with that. Um, all right. Let's preview this Dodgers series a little bit. And we're going to get to Freddie Freeman. Don't you worry. We'll get to Freddie Freeman. That, there's some juicy stuff there. Uh, you know, the City Connect jerseys were leaked uh, at the beginning of this episode. You can go uh, on the YouTube if you're podcast listening. You can go uh, watch that at the beginning 
of the episode, or if you're on YouTube right now, just hit the replay or on the replay, just go all the way back to the beginning if you missed it. Uh, but Padres Dodgers this weekend, Padres 46 and 31. They're chasing the Dodgers a little bit behind them in the division. Dodgers play later tonight in Colorado in their series finale uh, against the Rockies after they lost last night. That was great to see. Uh, but it'll be Thursday, uh, tomorrow, 7-10, Joe Musgrove on the mound. Extend Joe Musgrove, Peter. Do it. Uh, he's going to face Mitch White. Uh, don't know a whole lot about him. That's at 7-10. On Friday, it's Blake Snell against Tony Gonsolin. That should be a pretty good matchup. 7-10 is the first pitch. Uh, on Saturday, you Darvish is going to face Tyler Anderson. That game's on Fox. Uh, so that that's not on Bally. That's on Big Fox. 4-15 is the first pitch. Uh, so it's in prime time, at least on the East Coast. And then on Sunday, Mackenzie Gore against Clayton Kershaw. That's at 110. Don't really understand why the Sunday night baseball game's not Padres Dodgers. That kind of feels like the best rivalry in baseball right now. Um, other than like Jock Peterson against Tommy Pham, maybe. Or uh Freddie Freeman versus the Dodgers, because um, it doesn't seem like he likes the Dodgers right now. We'll get to that. Uh, but I, I don't really understand why it's not the Sunday night game, but I'd rather listen to Don and Mudd than Carl Ravage and David Cohn and Eduardo Perez, whoever they have doing that. Um, all right. So with this series, I mean, you'd think that the Padres would win tomorrow on Thursday. You would think... You know, Gonsolin's been pitching really well this year. So let's say they lose Friday. They win Saturday with Darvish on the mound. And then Sunday is a toss-up. So I think I would take a split. And I really hope that they can take three out of four. Just looking at the pitching matchups, that's my gut reaction to this series. Let me know your thoughts. What is What do you, what do you think would be acceptable for the Padres uh, against the Dodgers this weekend? Up at... Uh, Dodger Stadium, um, what do they call it? Tatis Stadium. I saw a meme or something about that last year when uh, Tatis was owning Trevor Bauer and Kershaw and Bueller. He's not playing, which sucks. But obviously, you know, something to watch going into to the series this weekend is Manny, right? You would think he's going to play. He didn't go on the 10-day, didn't play within any of these 10 days, which was a little disappointing, didn't have any pinch at, hit at-bats. Uh, but it like I mentioned on the pregame show before today's game, it is good that he didn't play today because that meant that um, the Padres, it's not like it was a one-run game and they were like, oh, Manny, we need you. It was 4 nothing, right? Um, but you would think that he would have some sort of impact on the series or appear in the series this weekend because he was base running today before the game. You could see a little hobble there, um, but I thought he's running the bases now. He's hitting. Fielding, it seems like a pinch hit appearance would be the first step, or DHing would be the first step for Manny tomorrow or Friday, whenever that would come. Christopher says, if we can split the series, then I see it as a win, to be honest. I agree. I, I mean, obviously taking three out of four would be great, but the Dodgers' offense is better than the Padres' offense right now, I think. I, I like the Padres' pitching matchups over the, of the Dodgers this weekend. But you just never know, you know. We don't know what Snell's going to give you. It seems like he's good, and it seems like he pitches well against the Dodgers, but it's always that one inning, you know. It's that one inning. Can he finish it? That's the big question. 
Um, you know, the Dodger, I mean, Tony Gonsolin's leading the Dodgers in war this year, just looking at baseball reference. So that one is that. That Friday matchup against Snell, that's why earlier, a couple minutes ago, I was like, yeah, we'll give the Dodgers that game. Like, Gonsolin's been really good this year. He has a 1580 ERA. He's, he's pitching as good as Musgrove is, maybe even better. But I'm not a, that's Dodger loving, so I'm just going to say he's pitching as good as Musgrove. Uh, Mookie Betts, I think he's on the IL with a rib injury. Freddie Freeman, I mean, we'll, we're going to get to him. Uh, he's hitting 306 so far this year with the 874 OPS. Um, I don't think he's going to be very emotional facing the Padres. It's not like he's facing the Braves. Um, so maybe that's not great news for the Padres. Um, maybe he's pissed off and he's going to take that out on the Padres. But yeah, Justin Turner always seems to kill us. Max Muncy a little bit. Max Muncy's such a punchable face. My goodness. He's hitting 167 this year. Oh my goodness. This guy sucks this year. Holy cow. He has a 627 OPS. OPS plus the league average is 100. Max Muncy's OPS plus is 76. Jeez. Austin Barnes is hitting 187. Trace Thompson, I believe, is up with the big league team. Of course, he had a home run, I think, his first game with the Dodgers. What a surprise. Um, what happened the last time the Padres faced the Dodgers? Let me see. April, end of April, the Dodgers um, took three. Or no, no, no. They won two out of three against the Padres. That's right. I remember Manaya sucked on that Sunday game. Man, that sucked to watch. That was the beer pong, right? Where Nola had the walk off and they had beer pong after the game. Or they were playing beer pong with that UFC fighter, Pat, Batty the Batty, Patty the Batty, or whatever his name is. I, I, I watch UFC a little bit. Never heard of the guy. Um. Yeah, that's the only time they've. Right? That's the only time that they played the Dodgers? That's all I'm seeing. So, yeah, um, we got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Musgrove, Snell, Darvish, Gore, good chance to win the series. I would take a split, though, just because I know the Dodgers' offense uh, can definitely put some runs up on the board. I'm just not that confident that the Padres' offense can match them if the Dodgers offense is hot, you know, because it's hard to be hot against the Dodgers pitching. And you could say the same thing about the Dodgers. Oh, it's going to be hot. It is hot. It's going to be hard, Ben, for the Dodgers offense to be hot against the Padres pitching. But who knows if Snell sucks on Friday, you know? Who knows if Darvish has an off outing or whatever, right? I wouldn't think that Musgrove has an off outing after that Philly outing. You would think that he, it's not going to be back-to-back. Um, and then Gore against Kershaw, you just don't know what to expect. I mean, that feels like a game where the Padres could either lose it to split the series or win it and take three out of four, and that would be huge, right? Yeah, so that's the series this weekend. Uh, I did want to get to, before we get out of here, the Freddie Freeman stuff. I mean, my goodness, this is juicy, to say the least. Yeah, Quan says, I love that punchable face. Yeah, uh, I was talking about Muncie, yeah. Freddie Freeman's not really a punchable face to me, um, but that's what I, that's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, 
Has anyone saw the news? He has fired his agent. I forget his name. It's probably up on ESPN. Let me look. Um, No, it's not even a top story, uh, of course, because they don't care about baseball, really. It has to be somewhere on here. Here, let me check Twitter then, because ESPN's not reliable to see MLB stuff. I know someone had it. Here it is. Wow. Casey Close. That's his name. Uh, Freddie Freeman's agent. So he never told Freddie Freeman. So setting the situation up, right? Like last week, um, Freddie, last weekend, Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers, they went to Atlanta. Freddie Freeman making his return, right? And he got his World Series ring. You knew there were going to be tears. You know Freddie's an emotional guy. But the Sunday Night Baseball crew could not stop talking about Freddie Freeman coming back to Atlanta. I mean, it was like, come on, we get it. We get it. Jeez, like, let's focus on the game here a little bit. Anyway. Uh, Freddie Freeman was crying. He couldn't do his press conference before the series started because of how much he was crying. Had to come back into the interview and interview room and do it. Don't know what an interview is. Uh, interview room and and do the interview. And um, he just wasn't. He, his mind was not solely on baseball. I'll put it that way, right? And there was that picture that came out of him in the dugout. I think it was the Sunday night game of him sitting on the bench and just not looking happy at all. And all of the Dodgers players are up on the rail, and Freddie's the only one just sitting there. Just doesn't look happy at all. And it comes out, it was today that it came out, that Casey closed. Well, so yesterday it came out that Freddie Freeman, was it yesterday or the day before? Whatever. doesn't matter. That Freddie Freeman had fired uh, his agent. And XL, he, he was no longer going to be a part of them. Wasn't going to be with them. And it came out today, uh, Doug Gottlieb, said on Twitter, Casey Close, Freddie's agent, never told Freddie Freeman about the Braves' final offer to him in free agency. Freddie Freeman ended up signing that six-year, six years, right? Six-year deal uh, with the Dodgers, and it looks like he got a little bit more money than the Braves offered, their last reported offer that we saw. Uh, but according to Gottlieb, Casey Close never told Freddie about the Braves' final offer. That is why Freeman fired him as his agent. Freddie found out in Atlanta this weekend what the final offer was. Or maybe uh, it doesn't say what he found out or what the final offer was, if he if he found out what the final offer was. It just says he found out that Casey Close never told him what the final offer was this week this past weekend in Atlanta. It isn't rare uh, it isn't that rare to have it happen in Major League Baseball, but it happened. Casey Close knew Freddie would have taken the Braves deal. So this feels like Casey Close here really, really screwed Freddie Freeman. And he did not have Freddie's best interest in mind. And when you're an agent, you're supposed, you're not working for yourself, for your interest. You're working for the player. And part of this, maybe you can blame on Freddie, but also it's like, okay, come on. Really? You didn't tell your client about the team that he wanted to, you knew the team that he wanted to sign back with. You didn't tell your client about that team's last offer, their final offer, which I will bet a million dollars on was better than 
the offer that Freddie probably rejected from the Braves and why he signed with the Dodgers, right? Like, oh my goodness. How do you do that as an agent? Uh, how how can another player sign on with this Casey Close dude when you know what just happened with that Freddie Freeman thing? He doesn't have your best interest in mind, and it just sucks for Freddie now. I know, like, he's on the Dodgers, and so you got to hate him and all that, but, like, I didn't feel that bad for him before knowing this. Like, dude, you're getting... I still don't feel terrible, I'll admit that. But, I mean, you're getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. What is it? Like $180 million or something? What is his contract? Let me look. Freddie Freeman contract, $162 million. You're getting paid $162 million. You're playing for a team that's going to be in the World Series hunt every single year that you're in Los Angeles. Like, I can't be you know, mad, uh, or excuse me, it's hard to sympathize with someone like that, right? And you're playing for the team that I hate the most, right? I mean, I, on my Instagram, I have Dodger hater in my bio. Like, I, I can't feel that sorry for you. But when you hear this, that his agent didn't tell him probably a better offer than what he thought the Braves' final best offer was when his agent knew that he wanted to return to the Braves. Like, you got to feel bad for Freddie a little bit there, right? Who knows? We don't know what the last offer was, but if Freddie's getting $160 million from the Dodgers here, what if the Braves offered him, I don't know, $150 million or whatever? I forget what the their last reported offer was to him uh, besides this offer that I don't think we know what that actual offer was that Casey Close didn't tell Freddie. Um, but let's say this offer that Casey Close didn't tell Freddie Freeman was like $150 million. Does Freddie, you know, with the taxes and all that in L.A. and California, does he say, you know what, I'm going to go back to Atlanta. I'm comfortable there. I love being in Atlanta. I don't really deep down want to be a Dodger. I deep down do want to be a Brave. Does he take that $150 million over the 162? right? I think that's a valid question. So, yeah, I'd be pissed off. I would definitely would have fired my agent as well if I was in that situation. Like, if I was great enough to be a major league player and I was drafted by the Padres, I won a World Series for the Padres, one that, that would be legendary, uh, and I wanted to remain a Padre the rest of my career, and I know I'm going to get paid. My agent knows that I want to be with the Padres, kind of like this Joe Musgrove situation. Right here, let's take me out of it then. Don't even compare myself, or, or I'm not even gonna say. Imagine if I was a big leader, because obviously that that wasn't gonna happen. Let's take Joe Musgrove, right? Let's say Joe Musgrove, his agent knows that he wants to be a Padre. He's made that very clear in the media. He wants to get paid at the same time, but he wants to remain a Padre. And let's say an extension doesn't happen. We obviously hope it does, but let's say an extension does not happen. And Musgrove's out in the open market. And the Boston Red Sox come along and offer Musgrove, I don't know, five years, $150 million, right? $30 million a year, really good deal, right? And the Padres, their latest offer was just to keep the years the same, right? Five years, 120 
right? Like that's that's lowballing him, right? That's thirty million dollars different. That's a lot, right? Twenty-four million a year. I think he'd get more than that on free agency. And I'm saying this situation would be if Musgrove is in free agency. I don't know if that's really lowballing him if it's an an extension, because both sides they come to the middle. But like in free agency, if Musgrove's comparing offers and he's like, okay, 120 compared to 150, and the offer that his agent told him, the latest offer from the Padres was 120, and so he says, all right, I'm going to go play for the Red Sox then. And then during the season, he comes back to San Diego, and he finds out from Peter Seidler, who tells him, I don't know if the Braves owner told him in person, but let's say Peter Seidler, who is very open and honest usually, tells Joe Musgrove, hey, man, you didn't want to come back? I, this, the best that we could do was $140 million. And Joe's like, whoa, 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 $140 million? My agent told me 120. If it was 140, I would have came back. Musgrove goes and fires his agent. You know, that's that's probably a comparison. You know, that's a, I think that's a pretty good comparison. And so just put that in Freddie's shoes. And I mean, my goodness, like that, he has to really be feeling bad right now. Um, and I do feel a little bit bad for him. I don't think that's Dodger loving. I think that's, I think part of me, I'm laughing my butt off that Freddie Freeman's not happy with the Dodgers. I mean, you have to deal with Max Muncie every day, right? That probably wouldn't make me happy too much either. Um, anyway, you know, part of me, it's like, yeah, I feel sad for him because I knew he wanted to be a dot or excuse me. He wanted to be a brave. Everyone knows he wanted to be a brave. And now he just got screwed by his agent who didn't tell him the brave's latest offer final offer. But on the other thing, on the other hand, it's kind of like, eh, I mean, he's not happy with the Dodgers, you know? <laughs> okay. Great. Not happy with the Dodgers. Because you got Max Muncy in your locker room. You got to deal with uh, Walker Bueller. Got to deal with Chris Taylor. Got to deal with Dave Roberts as your manager. Go get him. That's part of me as well. Uh, but just a just a bizarre situation. At says that's not a, a comparison. That's not a comparison. That's exact. Lol. Yeah. That's it. Just popped into my mind the Musgrove Freeman thing. Like imagine if that's what happened. I feel like like just put that scenario and now you kind of feel like what that's kind of like what Freddie Freeman's going to feel right now you know imagine how Joe Musker would feel if his agent didn't tell him the Padres latest offer and he goes to a team that he didn't want to be on it wasn't his first choice that's what Freddie's going through right now so part of it's funny part of it's like okay that's that kind of sucks that that sucks yeah, Quan says Max face punch Muncie. Dude, he is such such a punchable face. My goodness. That guy. Him, Bumgarner, who else? I mean Kershaw, right? I'm just thinking of like punchable faces that I just hate. But yeah, Muncie and Mad Bum are right up there. 
I put it out on Twitter today. I was so happy when Mad Bum left that game today. Just so I didn't have to hear him grunt. Grunting after every pitch. This isn't tennis, dude. Oh my, Yeah, Tham's another one, I guess, yeah. I mean, my, Jock Peterson's another one. So both of those guys in that fantasy football thing. But yeah, I mean, Dave Roberts a little bit now that he's the Dodger manager. He has been for a while, but it's more, it's not really face punch Dave Roberts. It's more laughing at him for dumb decisions that he makes as the manager. More of that, more like that. Jace Tingler, when he said the word battle, that's one. But I think you get it. Any other comments? Any other questions? Yeah, Sean, that's a good point. Should be a lesson to Musgrove. Don't trust your agent to have your best interest at heart. I, I think, well, look, I, I would say I kind of agree with that point. Yeah, it's a good point. But with Joe Musgrove's situation, I think he's involved. Like, he's saying, he's saying that, you know, he's leaving up to the, his agent, but he wants to be with the Padres. So I think he's more involved, and seeing this Freddie Freeman situation, he's definitely going to be more involved than, let's say, he was yesterday if he was really hands-off. Like, he's, he's going to be involved uh, to make sure he stays in San Diego as long as he sees that the Padres are making progress and not lowballing him and giving him number three starter money like Dennis Lynn's reporting came out yesterday, which I did an episode on. Episode 189, which is available on podcast platforms and on this YouTube channel, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah, Bauer, by the way, that's another one. Quan, yep. Justin Turner, he has a goofy look, yeah. My mom's not a fan of his beard, I'll say that. Um, but he also went to my mom's college, so I can't... I, he's not on the punchable level. level. But yeah, Trevor Bauer's up there. Uh, Mad Bum, Muncie. Fam, after saying that he wanted to fight Voight this year for Voight having a clean slide into home. That, maybe that's the Mount Rushmore of current players right now. Some some other, I know, now look, some other fans' bases, they're going to say, oh, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, right? Bryce Harper's one of my favorite players. I love Manny, obviously. Now he's in a Padre uniform, and I watch him on a daily basis. Some might say Tatis. Sean says Haas. Yes, do I... Am I irritated at Osmer? Of course. I went on a big rant already earlier in this episode if you didn't catch it, right? But he's on the Padres. Like, I can't, I can't truly say anyone on the Padres is a punchable face because I'm a diehard Padres fan, you know? I can be mad. I can make jokes about Hosmer, but I can't go to that level for any actual Padre that's on the team right now, you know? So, yeah. All right, so we covered a lot. Mad Bum pitched okay today, pitched good today, but he lost. Smile on my face. Uh, Thursday, Musgrove, Snell Friday, Darvish Saturday, Gore Sunday for the Dodgers series. I think they have a good chance of taking three out of four. Uh, yes, yesterday sucked. Losing 6 nothing. that's the worst loss of the year. Bomel wasn't great managing there. Left maybe was a little too loyal. I think Chris Matt should have been in there. Uh, but a good win today. Jake was back today. Voight had a good series despite being robbed three times. Uh, because Chase Field hates his guts. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much the episode. Freddie Freeman fires his agent. All right. 
That'll do it. Episode 190 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show brought to you by Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries. That is it. I am Ben Fadden, your host. Thank you so much for watching live or on replay on YouTube. I hope you hit that subscribe button for daily Padres content. And for the podcast audience, I appreciate you as well. See you, everybody. Go Padres.